Welcome back to Covered in Glory Spring Break Edition. Unlike my 20s, I have traded in beer bongs and beach parties for turtle sanctuaries and dolphin cruises, but I still know how to go a little bit. So I am going to jump on this silver bullet, have a nice Coors Light, and enjoy a chat with my friend Brett Corminas. How you doing, Brett? I'm doing good, man. Obviously not as good as you because you get a silver bullet and I don't. Well, there's one easy way to fix that, which is beat me. Every, once in a while, you just have to beat me in the five pint parlay pickoff, and then maybe there'll be some beer in your fridge. I still feel like in December, I should have got probably like a whole keg delivered for that run. But, you know, I'm making up for it now by going over over for the next that few was, months. That, that was epic. Just like me, you're living in the past, though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Still living in the past. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Happy first day of the tournament. I mean, what an incredible, incredible confluence of events. Uh, I really wish I was still in my 20s because this used to be one of my favorite days. But hopefully you guys are out there enjoying it. And then uh, get all that basketball out of your system. Watch all the buzzer beaters and all that. And then get back into the beautiful game by Saturday, Sunday morning. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah, I mean, that's my plan, man. Tournament uh, today, tomorrow. And then once soccer rolls around, I mean, watching the morning, watch basketball at night. It's easy way to, yeah. it's an easy way to delegate your sports. Uh, I'm sure you've had worse days. So uh, this week's going to be slightly different because there's only two Premier League games that the top six are involved in. The rest of them, well, not the rest of them, Manchester United is uh, not in any competition at present, but um, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City are all in the FA Cup quarterfinals. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the Arsenal and Tottenham Premier League games, and then after the break, we're going to come back, and we are going to cover those FA Cup games because I think they're um, they might not be the closest matches ever, but they are going to all be highly dramatic given the teams involved in the history of that competition. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, in the Premier League, we have Aston Villa, ninth at 36 points versus Arsenal, fourth at 51 points. This game is Saturday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Aston Villa is plus 210. Arsenal is plus 130. The draw is plus 250. You want to take it on any sort of a spread? Aston Villa plus half a goal goes down to minus 150. Arsenal stays at plus 130. So I got to admit, when I was uh, prepping for the show last night, and I had had a couple of beers, but I was still confused. I had to check three or four times to see that plus number next to Arsenal. I don't know what the oddsmakers see in Aston Villa that I don't. And maybe, Brent, you're seeing it too, and you can enlighten me. But Arsenal, prior to that Liverpool game yesterday, they had won five on the bounce. And in that first half, I mean, they looked like they belonged on the field with you know the hottest team in the entire league, arguably in all of Europe. Meanwhile, Aston Villa has eight losses, one win, one draw against the top seven this year. You want to play my favorite game, Brett? The one win, the one draw, who was against? Oh, God. Uh, Villa, let's see. They beat. The, the, the answer is always Manchester United. It's always, it's Manchester, always Manchester United. United. All United. Right. They're the ones always dropping points that they shouldn't, which is why they find themselves look, on the outside looking into the, Europe. The only Villa game I remember is against your boys in which they somehow lost that game despite pummeling the shit out of them for like 75 minutes. Mm, uh, that's not how I remember the, it. The, I Chelsea, remember the Chelsea way. 
I know. I just remember a sweet, sweet victory. That's all I can recall. Uh, so the fact that I like the way Arsenal's playing, we talk about it week after week. We think they're going to finish top four. That We think they're actually a good side. Maybe not a great side, but a good side. And I don't think Aston Villa has that big of a home pitch advantage. So give me Arsenal with the plus number in front of them, the plus 130. What am I missing? You're missing one, just one thing. It's one person. It's not Batman. It's Philippe Coutinho. And here's the number for you. And I think this is why the line has shifted to how it is. And this is my best guess. So on off data for soccer is very noisy. We, we talk about it a lot for basketball. It's kind of like a common thing in basketball parlance now to talk about plus minus and advanced plus minus and all that kind of stuff. And soccer, it's still super noisy just because of the way that, you know, soccer is random. It's low scoring reason after reason after reason, it's not the greatest metric. It's not something you ironclad look at and say, this is the thing. But all that aside, with Coutinho on the pitch, Aston Villa has posted a plus 0.62 expected goal difference per 90. I know that number out of context is like whatever. In context, Arsenal is fourth in the Premier League at 0.29 expected goal difference per 90. So Villa has been a top four side when Coutinho has been on the field. And there's a reason for that. Obviously, he's a very good player, but he leads them in shot creating actions. He leads them in through balls per 90. He's second in progressive distance, which is the amount that he's carried the ball at his feet towards the opposing goal. And on top of that, he's second in XG per shot and first in shots. So this dude is clearly still very good. We kind of like lost track of him after he went from Liverpool and he moved to other leagues. You know, he was, he moved to Barcelona. It was a huge deal. He kind of just stalled out. It wasn't a great fit. Then he went to Byron on loan. He didn't really do much there. And then now finally moved back to the premier league. And we're still seeing that Coutinho is really, really good. And this Villa team has been really, really good with him in the side. That's probably why on top of the fact that Arsenal just came off a midweek game which was a fucking slugfest against Liverpool. And I think there's going to be some fallout from that. I mean, I don't know, you know, how the models incorporate something like that, but I watched that game. It was ugly. It was physical. It was really low scoring. It was very intense. And I think that's going to, there's might be a little bit of a hangover effect. So I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum and I'm taking Villa on the money line, going with Coutinho to be the savior and get him a big win over a top four side. Well, I mean, I don't know why you think the slugfest is going to stop midweek. It's going to continue into the weekend, and I don't like Coutinho against a very physical Arsenal team that's going to slow it down, slug through the middle, do the things that Arsenal does, and that's not how Coutinho tends to flourish. So I guess my perspective, and like I, I got all the numbers that you got, and I, you're the expert here, but uh, my perspective is Arsenal's more likely to dictate the style of play here than Aston Villa. I don't see Aston Villa taking it to Arsenal, opening the game up, dragging them into a style of play that they don't want to play. I think that Arsenal is going to continue to dictate. So in a similar vein, that's why I'm taking total goals under two and a half at plus 100. Uh, Arsenal seven out of 10 matches after January 1st have been under 2.5 goals. We talk about it every week, how they uh, ugly up the game, muddy it up, uh, you know, don't allow a whole lot of width. A lot of play drives right down the center of the field. And I think since they're going to dictate the style of play, I don't see either team reaching three goals, which is uh, another one of my favorite ways to analyze this, but I don't see either team reaching three goals. And so then if you don't see either team reaching three goals, you only have to worry about two, one either way or two, two. Otherwise you get the other six score lines that are possible. So um, that's, 
I think that's one of my favorite bets uh, of the way to bet this game. But to your point, the continuous stats are incredible. I mean, just not the advanced ones that you're giving, just much more simply. Four goals, three assists in the nine Premier League games since joining. And so if you want to fade me and you think that continue is going to continue to flourish and he's going to be able to uh, dictate the way this game is played, anytime goal score for him is plus 200, first goal score is plus 550. So if you want to go the other way, you want a little more juice than what uh, Brett's offering, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and I mean... I think you're right on one thing. I do agree that I think Arsenal is going to dictate the game a little bit more. That That's kind of their thing, but they do it in a really weird way. They do it with this like really slow control possession and Villa, even since Coutinho has come on, like these numbers are not because like when Coutinho has been there, like Villa has dominated the ball and they tilted the field and, you know, they've turned into Manchester city. They've still played on the break. Um, so it hasn't been like they've turned into this possession possession team or possession team. It's not like Coutinho brought Barcelona with him to Villa. Um, they're they've actually been playing weirdly like counterattacking under um, well Stevie G, and that's weird. It's weird because when he was at Rangers, Gerard's teams like completely controlled the game. They pressed, they dominated. It was a different. It's obviously a Scottish league, so different league. Clearly, there's not the same carryover, but. I still think that Villa and Coutinho can be effective without controlling the game, uh, which is kind of why I like it. And I'm going to ride. I'm just going to ride them all the way here. I'm going, this is all Coutinho all the time. Uh, you know, feel free to sponsor our show, but he's plus 220 to be an anytime goal scorer. Uh, you, you, think, you think Coutinho has the money to sponsor our show? I mean, he's only transferred <laughs> for $130 million. He might have a little bit of leftover change. He could probably throw us whatever's <laughs> in his couch cushions and it would sponsor us for five years. But holy hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Coutinho all the way. Uh, I, again, he t- he takes the most shots on the team. This is kind of a prime game for him to, you know, launch a few extra outside of the box. Uh, I think, especially with the way that like Tierney gets forward on Arsenal, there's going to be gaps to some of the fullbacks there. Cedric Soares has been really getting forward on Arsenal and Coutinho plays in those winger spots. And that's the prime thing for him to kind of cut inside, launch one against one of the Arsenal center backs and, and hopefully at least score. But um, plus 220 for probably the guy most likely on the team to score. I think those are pretty good odds, so I'm going to take them. All right. We're well, here, here, president of the Philippe Coutinho fan club, Brett Corominos, putting all his <laughs> chips behind him this week. Uh, all right. Let's head, uh, let's head over to London. Tottenham, seventh at 48 points versus West Ham, sixth at 48 points. This game is Sunday at 12.30 p.m. The Spurs are minus 135. West Ham is plus 370. The draw is plus 300. On the spread, Tottenham at minus uh, half a goal stays at one, minus 135. And West Ham moves up to plus 120. Uh, so these are two teams that kind of have wildly varying uh, dips of form. And, and all of a sudden, they're flourishing. And all of a sudden, they're regressing. So, I mean, who the hell knows with this one? Uh, Tottenham haven't won back-to-back games since Boxing Days or since Boxing Day. So I just like getting plus odds for that to continue. It's not like I have a great feel for the way West Ham's going to come out in this game. Uh, and I wouldn't be, you know, exactly shocked if Tottenham came out and won, you know, 1-1 or 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, something like that. Because, you know, they have had some really good form recently uh, under Conte and, and they're showing great styles of his play. But I guess if I consider it a coin flip and a little bit between West Ham getting a draw or a win versus Tottenham, uh, you know, blowing them off the pitch, 
as I've said last week, when I think it's a, t- a coin flip, give me the one with the plus number in front of it. So West Ham plus 120 uh, plus half a goal is my bet. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I have no idea exactly what's going to happen in this game. I think I trust Spurs to win because they're at home, um, but I'm not sure. You know, West Ham, we've, we've kind of talked about this before. You know, you have certain expectations of a David Moyes teams, and one is the stringiness of their defense. But West Ham has been a little bit more attacking, a little less facade in the back and in the Moyes era, and that's partly due to the personality he has. Um, you know, he's he's played a little bit more of an aggressive 4-2-3-1. Um, so, I mean, my thing on this one is going to be a little bit different. I think I'm going to bank on Spurs to win. I, I'm, I'm going to be a chicken shit, and I'm just going to take the money line on them to do it. I, I, I think that's the only thing I muster up doing. Um, and, the, and my reasoning behind that one is I'm going to go to the stat that I just trashed and used, and I'm going to use it again here, and I'm going to use it one more time in the podcast coming up. But that XG differential per 90, again, gave all the caveats before. Um, and I'm, I apologize here because he is Irish and it is St. Patrick's Day, but I think it's, it's Doherty, right? It's not Doherty, it's Doherty. So Matt Doherty, who's the right wing back, that's kind of like his thing. He's a really weird player. So when Mourinho came, they brought him in from Wolves and he played that wing back role at Wolves. And then Mourinho played him as like a traditional fullback. And Doherty's thing is not being a traditional fullback. He doesn't overlap and then, you know, cross the ball in. He kind of defends pretty well. And then he gets into the box and he pops up for chances and creates chances in the box. It's he's like a final third, final third guy. It's very strange, but with him on the pitch, Spurs are, and we talked about that Arsenal is at 0.29 uh, XG per 90 overall for the season. With Doherty on the pitch for Spurs, they're at 0.84 XG per 90. And with our boy Kulishevsky on the pitch for Spurs, they're at plus 0.81 XG difference per 90. So they are not only a Champions League level team with these two guys playing in their limited minutes, they're like a title contending good team with these guys playing in, the, in their limited minutes. So that's that's kind of my sole rationale is that those guys are in the starting 11. I feel more confident that they're going to win just because they've been so good with them on the pitch lately. Um, but I mean, my confidence level in it, not super high. I'm sort of a little bit more confident on my prop bet, which is for over three and a half goals, you're getting plus 185. It seems weird. Conte plays a back three. Moyes is a, a traditionally conservative defensive coach. So why would I want to pick the over of three and a half goals? And the reason is simple. These teams played in the Carabao Cup and Moyes matched Conte's formation with a back three. Despite all that, there was three goals, but 27 total shots between the two teams. That's a lot of shots between two supposedly conservative defensive styles. And I think that's going to continue especially if Moyes trots out a more is more traditional back four and doesn't try to match up with Conte's back three. Um, I feel like this is going to be a weirdly offensive attacking game. Kulishevsky has taken Spurs attack to another level. Um, I feel like this is like a game that you could easily see two, two, three, two, four, one. If one team just starts rampaging through because of the, the weird schedule congestion that's been going on. Um, so I'm going to kind of take the plus money on that. It's, I'm not, again, not super confident on either of these bets, but I'm a little more, this is kind of like my sleeper bet of the week is 27 shots in that game where they matched up. If you see a back four from West Ham and Conte rolls out his big three attackers, I feel like this is going to be way more attacking than people think. All right. Well, it's St. Patrick's day. It's spring break. 
My uh, prop bet is this one is pure fun. It's one I haven't made yet on this podcast, and I think Ooh. it's time to spice it up. You know, it's, it's important to keep fresh in a podcasting relationship. I like this. I, I am going with <laughs> highest scoring half, the second half at minus Whoa. 110. This is hit in four of the last West Ham games as they uh, kind of play very tight at the beginning of the game and then loosen up a little bit towards the end. So the second half has actually been far okay. more open. So second half, highest scoring half, minus 110, super fun. You're in it until the very end unless there's like three goals in the first. So it's a really <laughs> fun way to spend a Sunday afternoon. All right. So I'll put some, I'll put some numbers on that too because I actually really like that. Um, so traditionally, and I can't remember, there's a piece um, – falling in on who wrote it, but there's a piece that basically went through the impact of subs in the premier league and subs score at a way higher rate than even sometimes the star players do simply for the old adage. You play a guy, a guy's been playing 90 minutes and a dude comes on, you know, or sorry, guys been playing 70 minutes and a dude comes on with fresh legs. He's just going to be fresher. He's going to run around the pitch more the guys are going to be tired the human body can only do so much right well there's actual data behind that so when you take a higher scoring second half you're actually playing into the subs and the interesting thing is we've seen like you said spurs had this floor for dramatic particularly steven birdwine has some massive second half goals for them so you're you're really actually playing into an overall trend that subs tend to be more impactive so in theory when subs come on you're increasing the chances of goals which makes second half uh, over profits or kind of like a fun, sneaky play. It'd be interesting to kind of, as we track this, to see how this actually works out in the long haul, because I think that's kind of an interesting angle to take. Yeah. Well, uh, minus three is going to be on the edge of the seats on Sunday morning. Kevin Hench's new hammers versus Damashek's Tottenham Hotspurs. Mikey Meatballs supporting the hammers as well. So uh, wish you gentlemen luck and hope you guys have as much fun watching it as I'm going to with that bet. Uh, so before we get over to the FA Cup, the, the oldest competition in the world, let's take a quick break. All right, we are back. Now let us have some fun with a knockout tournament. If we're talking about a knockout tournament, you know I'm damn excited to be talking about the Blues. So the first game we're going to go through is Middlesbrough, who is seventh in the championship right now, versus Chelsea. This game is Saturday at 1.15 p.m. Eastern. You can find all of the FA Cup games on ESPN Plus if you're looking for them. Middlesbrough is plus 550. Chelsea is minus 200. The draw is plus 350. And for those of you who haven't bet knockout tournaments before, that's referring to at the end of regulation. So you can say, how is there a draw in the knockout tournament? If they end the 90 and it's still tied, then that bet cashes. Uh, if you want to go super risk adverse and you still want the favorite, Chelsea, instead of being minus 200 in the 90, is minus 525 to advance. Uh, so winning it at any time all the way up through a penalty shootout. Uh, Middlesbrough is plus 360. The regular time spread, Middlesbrough is plus one and a half. Uh, plus one and a half goals is minus 180. And Chelsea is plus 140 if you think the Blues are really going to hammer them. Um, I am obviously still super nervous off the pitch, but what I've seen on the pitch from Chelsea recently has been extraordinarily encouraging. Like they seem to be all the way back that we talked about them galvanizing uh, uh, together last week in the face of adversity. Tommy Tuchel is a God. 
uh, the way he's managing this crisis and, and playing, bringing his players closer together and saying all the right things to the press and not getting tied into the politics and all those sorts of things that will allow them to continue to really concentrate on the field. The change in tactics to the 3-5-2 against Lille yesterday in the Champions League was something that I've been dying to see for a long time, to see him break out of a 3-4-3 and just use different formations that fit the moment, fit the personnel available to him, and fit the opponent. And so I I just absolutely love watching that. And there's no way I'm not taking Chelsea against Middlesbrough. So I'm taking them in regulation. I like them to take care of business here um, at minus 200. And I'm so confident in them. This is probably the death knell for me. My prop, is a good team to do a good thing. <laughs> Chelsea, clean sheet win, plus 175. They only gave up 0.25 XG in open play against Lil. The only the one they gave was on a super random penalty. And they are a complete bastard in any knockout tourney to score against. So that is my favorite bet of the entire slate this weekend. All right. So my first thing is again, we're going to move off the pitch, but not in a way that you will be annoyed at talking about. Tuchel had a great quote, basically talking about the transportation issues that that some of the things have caused. And he said, I think at the end of it, he said, I don't care. I'll drive a seven seater to get us to Lille and back. How much would you pay to just watch an in like in a dashboard video cam of Tuchel driving a seven-seater with, with Ronald Lukaku just sitting in the front seat next to him. <laughs> would you take your eyes off that at all, or would you just soak up the weird tension that would probably be the two of them during that car ride? Well, I would have to see how far it is for him to drive a seven-seater from uh, London to Lille. But if it's 10 hours, I'm not paying much for nine hours and 58 minutes of silence. <laughs> and then, like... And uh, that's just not how I want to spend your money that I keep winning from you. So, so basically, so basically you're saying that that interaction would be Rom says, what's up when he gets into the van. And then he says, thanks for the ride when he gets out. And that's the only words that are exchanged. Yeah. I mean, actually it would probably be more like everybody is playing music that they like. And Rom is just complaining. He's not getting his song. So he's giving everybody the silent treatment and he's sitting perfectly still rather than, you know, pulling out his phone and like considering the next song or say, Hey guys, it's cool. Like I'm sure you'll get to be eventually. I'm sure he was just pout and stare and somehow be offsides in the seven seater waiting for, me, for him to get his way. <laughs> See, I think this is actually like, you know, now that they might need a little bit of extra cash and Kai Havertz has been talking about shelling out to, to fly in places. Maybe they just need a hard knock style special right here where we can watch them travel in seven seaters back and forth to their matches. I would no, pay for I mean, that. I, you, you didn't give me a chance to prep for this. If you had, I'm trying to, I could come up with an answer, but like the better question is if you could pick the other six people and watch a live stream of that, <laughs> who would you pick? And then how much? Oh man. Lukaku would not be on the list, but this is a whole separate podcast. This is a whole separate podcast. You put Rudiger and Mount and Havertz, who is absolutely on fire, but is also absolutely a weirdo. And uh, (laughs) now, now you've got an incredible stream. And like you put Werner on there and could Werner like put his drink in the cup holder correctly, or would it just like fly into the windshield, even though it was super easy for him to just put it down? Like there's so many ways I would like to watch this happen. you got me excited well yeah plus you know we have to consider that like you'd have Thiago Silva being like the angry dad in the back that just every once in a while tells the kids to turn around and shut the fuck up I think this is this is great we're we're this is going to be a whole separate podcast at some point yeah but there you go going towards the actual match 
Uh, oh man, this is this is gonna be hard. Uh, this this is gonna be something where I will either be a champion forever. Or you will never let me live this down. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you more. One my last time I'm giving you XG90 stats, and I'm gonna posit it with a little theory that we're gonna go forward on this too. So when Chelsea have been show on the pitch across all competitions, the Champions League, Premier League, they are plus. 1.6 expected goal difference per 90 when Showell plays in his 841 minutes. When Reese James plays, they're at plus 1.34 in his almost 1,800 minutes across all competitions. We've talked about this before, too. There are basically three elite teams, and then Chelsea is that second tier kind of all by themselves. Those three th- teams have, have, or three of those four teams have one thing in common. The top team, Manchester City, probably, arguably, has our boy, pod favorite, Jao Cancelo at fullback. One of the most creative, best fullbacks that we've probably seen in the Premier League, or at least most interesting fullbacks that we've seen in the Premier League. And then we go to Trent Alexander-Arnold, who is transitioning into like that interior floating inside Cancelo role, no longer ripping crosses from the, <clears throat> uh, from the touchline. But again, one of the most creative attacking fullbacks we've ever seen. Then we have Reese James, who is light, fucking out when he's in the starting 11 for Chelsea he is awesome especially when he plays that right wing back role he is so so good so we're seeing a common theme here every single elite team that's above everybody else either has an elite fullback or they're Byron and Byron has basically punted fullbacks and put full-on attackers as wingbacks in Serge Navary and Kingsley Komen so we're seeing a theme here right and James is going to be out. And even if he's probably, cause he's had some injury issues. I don't see Tuco wanting to risk him against Middlesbrough just to win in the FA cup with the importance of matches that are coming up. Um, so I think there's going to be some squad rotation and Chelsea has played eight fixtures, eight, eight fixtures since uh, February 19th. That's basically a midweek game. They're playing a championship schedule over the last month on top of all the shit that they've been going through with the sanctions on Abramovich and everything else. I think this is like a prime upset. (laughs) And it's not even because of Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough is not good. They're seventh in the championship. Their leading goal scorers are Andre Sporer with eight and Matt Crooks, who also has eight, an attacker and a midfielder. And I just think this is prime for Chelsea to just rotate the squad. They have had trouble scoring. They're on the end of a terribly fatiguing and emotionally, physically and emotionally draining stretch. And Middlesbrough is sitting there. They have just beat Spurs 1-0 in the same competition. This game is at home. And they're sitting there at plus 1,000 to win one nothing. And I got to take it. I'm going to take Middlesbrough. <laughs> I have to do it. This is not going to, this is hopefully this is going to turn out like my Watford pick, but something tells me that Chelsea is just going to run out of gas. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. They get a break for a couple of weeks from all this shit. Tuchel's going to probably rotate. Reese James might play. Chilwell's out for the season. They're incredibly important to how well Chelsea does. This is nothing to do with Middlesbrough. Everything to do with what's going against Chelsea. And I love Tuchel and I backed your boys constantly, but for whatever reason, that plus 1,000 Middlesbrough to win to nil, I got to do it. That's where my money's going to be parked on this game. I changed my answer. My dream person to put in the Chelsea seven-seater is you trying to explain what the fuck you just said 
to Thomas Tuchel. And you just said that the seventh team of the championship, you are backing to beat one of the four best teams in the world. They just beat Spurs. Uh, And Spurs are one of the top 10 best teams in the world under Conte. Okay. Congratulations. They just won 1-0. Yeah. I'm just saying. How many times have we also beat Spurs? I mean, like, they're... (laughs) I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by you. I'm not impressed by your logic. I'm not impressed by your entire operation here. This is this is, this is a tension. Like, do you need a hug? Do you need somebody? Hey, to I mean, say, I do like, need hey, I do need a hug, but this I, is unrelated. I, I, I like you, and I recognize you, and I'm glad you're in my life. Like, do you just need attention? Is that what this is? What is going on with you to take this bet? Like, why why is Tuchel going to do heavy rotation right before he has two weeks off? You think he gives half a hell about their their preparedness for the national teams? Like if he wants to win this game, which he does, he is going to go out and win it. And also, this is I mean, if you're giving out dumb reasons, I'll give a dumb reason. <laughs> this is going to be the last game that Roman Abramovich owns the team. You think the narrative is that Abramovich is going to go out in his last game losing a Freaking Middlesbrough, like they're winning this contest. They are not losing one to zero. I'm just saying knockout tournaments are fucking weird. Chelsea's running on fumes. 10 to 1. I'm getting 10 to 1. Because if, if Middlesbrough wins, it's because Chelsea, they just they fluke out. I'm not saying Chelsea won't create. I'm not saying Chelsea won't deserve to win, but I'm saying there is a 10 to 1 thing where they avoid that one goal. And then they fluke out some bullshit on the other end that I think with everything lining up, I feel like 10 to one that's in the wheelhouse right there. Oh my God. The champions of the world. Give your prop bet before I get mad. <laughs> well, that is, that's what I'm going with. I'm, I'm kind of bypassing taking the line. I'm putting oh my oh, one bet. line. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. Let's move on. I don't want to hear your opinion anymore on this subject. Uh, let us move to Southampton, who's 10th of the Premier League versus Manchester City, who's, of course, top of the world right now. Uh, 11 a.m. on Sunday, Southampton is plus 850. Man City is minus 310. The draw is plus 475. Man City is minus 1,000 to advance. The regular uh, time spread is Southampton plus one and a half goals, minus 105. Man City minus 120. So pretty close to an even bet on whether Man City can win by two or more. Uh, all right. So I, I'm doing it again. Like I, I, I might as well preview the Liverpool game right now. I'm taking the big three to, to advance in this tournament. Um, I don't know when Manchester City is going to blow them off the pitch. I'm actually a little bit nervous about them in regulation. Like you worry about a Chelsea let off. If of the three teams that we're talking about right now in the FA Cup, I actually think Manchester City is most prime for a let-up. Uh, just coming off of their 0-0, they're clearly back into the title hunt. They care more about the Champions League and the Premier League than they possibly care about the FA Cup. So if somebody actually was going to rest and rotate, I think it's far more likely to be Pep than it is Tuchel. So um, I'm not going to be as big of a chicken shit to take Manchester City minus 1,000 to advance because the odds are crap. Um, But I am going to take Southampton plus a goal and a half at minus 105. Because I think this is going to be a close matchup within regulation, or it's more likely than that than a Manchester City blowout. Yeah, I you know I keep going back. Um, I'm stealing someone smarter than me's thought on this, but 
Sometimes these mid table teams. It can be teams, literally anyone after your Middlesbrough take. You can you could quote anyone <laughs> yeah, right so now that someone's smart. The drunk guy, the drunk guy up at the park right now, just told me this advice, and it's great. Um, oh my but, god! Is he available <laughs> to co-host next week? I mean, if you want, I could ask him. We can go up and get him. Um, <laughs> so, but with Southampton, there's something weird about what Hassan Hoodle's doing with the way that Southampton plays. That clearly is kind of fucking the city up this year. Because they're level on goals. They drew uh, 0-0 uh, in the first match, 1-1 in the second, uh, in the Premier League. And then the XG is, is a little bit more flattering towards, uh, towards City um, at 2.7 and 1.5. But it's not like they're blowing them out of the water and Southampton's getting super lucky. I've, I've watched both those matches. That Southampton press just does something to the way that City create that's, I don't know, it screws them up a little bit. And so I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be hard for City – you know, again, they're, they've been playing a lot of matches that, uh, as well, but I, I just don't see them blowing out the Southampton team. There's something weird about how Hassan Hoodle sets up his press that fucks up the way that City plays. So I'm taking the plus 1.5 from Southampton as well. I just think it's a good bet. I don't, it's hard for me to see like City just absolutely smash him and maybe they get to 2 0. Maybe that's probably the high end of their range. Um, and this is all that matters for Southampton. They're not in the relegation fight. They have no chance of Europe. They're one of like four teams that have basically no consequences in the Premier League. So this FA Cup is like their shit. That's it. Like getting as far as they can in this competition. For City, they don't care. Pep wants to win the fucking Champions League, and now he's in a title race. So, you know, there could be, again, we talk about squad rotation. There could be one or two academy guys that – end up starting for city this match. Um, you know, I, I just think it matters a lot more to Southampton. They clearly are doing something that's allowing them to stay within striking distance of city during these matches. Um, so I'm going to continue to ride that. And then with the prop bet, there's been four or two total goals across these matches, uh, two matches so far in the season. So I'm taking the under three goals at minus one twelve. So if you want to fade us, uh, you just mentioned maybe they get to 2-0. Manchester City to win by at least two goals and Southampton not to score is plus 166. So if you feel the juggernaut's going to continue to roll on, that's a pretty good bet to take. But obviously from what I said earlier, that's not what I'm taking. Uh, I'm taking Manchester City. I'm taking a parlay of Manchester City to win and under three and a half goals is only minus 105. So you're getting almost a straight even bet that this is going to be you know, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, uh, whatever it might be, that they're not going to roll out and be even 3-0, you, you would still cover on that. So you're betting they're not going to win 4-0 or 3-1 or anything like that. So I think it's going to be, be um, a bit of a, a duller match. I don't think it's going to be Manchester City, you know, kind of going balls to the wall to try to win and Southampton, even if they go balls to the wall, I don't see them getting two or three goals. Uh, so if you can parlay those two together get close to even money and you know south and manchester city walks out of there one oh two one two one yeah i mean i i there's no i mean as as much problem as you had in my logic in the chelsea match i have no problem with your logic in there so i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna take the high road here oh my god i hope <laughs> they drive over you with their bus on the high road <laughs> Uh, okay, very last game before I get out of here and try to erase what Brett said from my memory. Uh, <laughs> Nottingham Forest, eighth of the championship versus Liverpool, 2 p.m. on Sunday. Nottingham is plus 950. Liverpool is minus 360. The draw is plus 500. 
Liverpool is minus 1,200 to advance. Nottingham uh, plus a goal and a half in regulation is plus 105. The pool is minus 135. Uh, you know, if you think they can win by at least two goals. Um, just give me pool. I mean, nine straight wins in the Premier League, the Carabao Cup win over Chelsea, rolling in the Champions League. They are firing on all cylinders right now. They're taking on a championship-level squad that's in the championship for a reason. Um, they have, Even if they rotate, like their frontline attacking talent, now for me, is back in rotation. There's no combination of those five guys that I don't think can win by at least two goals. So I'm saying they're going to win this thing in a route. Give me them minus one thirty-five to win by at least two goals in this contest. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, that's the same. I have the same pick, same logic. Uh, Forest is is eighth in the championship, but they have the the only one thing that I guess if you want to consider some close match is their goal differential is actually third best, so they're clearly getting a little bit unlucky in that sense. Um, but it, you know, if Harvey Elliott and a bunch of Academy guys play for Liverpool in this FA cup tie, uh, Harvey Elliott would still be head and shoulders, the best player on the pitch without question. Curtis Jones would be the best player on the pitch without question. Um, so I mean, uh, Semeckis, the left back that replaces Robertson would be the best player on the pitch without question. <laughs> if he comes in and, and rotates in, would, would um, the drunk guy in the park still allow them to win if he was playing in the front line? I think so. I don't know. I we I gotta get him on speaker. I just don't need to have I need to have an earpiece in with him giving me the, <laughs> the take here. Um no, so I'm gonna take the same bet. Um, and I mean I, I think Liverpool's not getting great odds, but uh I think it's plus 175 for Liverpool to win by one goal. Again, it's just mostly like does this team give a shit enough to step their put their foot on the gas and blow this uh blow this club out when force this is everything for them. Um, I just kind of, I know it's not great logic, but again, Liverpool could rotate Liverpool. Don't give a shit about anything other than the premier league and the champions league. I believe Klopp has basically come out and said that multiple times about most of the domestic cups. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, Forrest is probably going to try to put up a good fight. Um, but I mean, Liverpool is just too talented. Their squad, their, their B team, their C team is could win the championship. So, you know, I'll, I'll take them winning by one goal, but I'm definitely going to, um, for sure. And then I, I can, Hedge that, taking a minus 1.5 on the spread. Yeah. And if you think they're going to keep a clean sheet, uh, pool to have at least two goals and a clean sheet is plus 150. So you can get a big jump in juice if you think they're not going to give up some sort of conciliatory goal at any point uh, from minus 135 to all the way up to plus 150 if they also can hold them to nil. Um, just because of the attacking firepower, just because I think Liverpool is just going to continue to go forward because they do have some time off after this, just because I think they want to keep the perception of the pressure on and they don't want to have any let off whatsoever. I think they are going to go after it in this game. Uh, next city really think about it for the next two weeks as we get into the home stretch. So my prop is Liverpool over two and a half goals by themselves at plus one Oh five for all the reasons I stated above. I think they're really going to pour it on. Nottingham doesn't belong on the same pitch as Liverpool. And I think it could be three, four, five goals from Liverpool. Maybe they give up one, maybe they don't. But I'm getting a plus number for them to really show some firepower and dominance in this game. All right. Now it's time for the five pint. And my my new, I am changing this. My spike pick is coming into my five pint thing now. Let's oh, do it. Please. Uh, no, I, I, 
I oh, it's coming. You can't go be like that and expect me not to waste I a point. Dare out. You <laughs> I don't need to be there. on it. Five pints, but all five pints on it. I will, I'm not going to put all five, five pints on. But it is coming into my five pint pickoff now. It has to. There's no, way, there's no way I can get called out like that and not have it in there because if it hits, oh man, if it hits. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so easily manipulated, Brett. Uh, so, right now for March, this is our last one for March. So, you're really risking it all behind Middlesbrough. Uh, we're both profitable for the month, but you are up one pint on me right now. So, that's that one that you're about to waste on Middlesbrough is my opportunity to close the gap. <laughs> Uh, so for my five this week, I am going with Arsenal to win plus 130, which you don't like. So we're already on odds on that one. Uh, the Chelsea clean sheet win and plus 175, which is my favorite bet of the weekend against your boys at Middlesbrough. Uh, Tottenham and West Ham, highest scoring half to be the second and minus 110. Let's have some fun with that one. And then I'm going with um Two separate parlays, just because I'm a little bit nervous about City. I'm putting one pint on a on a two-team parlay of Liverpool and Chelsea to win in regulation. You get minus 110 for that. And then if you add Manchester City, so three teams, no FA Cup magic, none of the crap that you're talking about, all three of the teams that should win, take care of it in regulation, you get plus 155 for that bet. So that's where my five pints are going with everything on the line for March. How about you? All right. Well, let's just get out of the way. I'm going to take one of my original pints away. It is now going one pint, Middlesbrough plus 1,000 to win to nil. It's happening. 10 to 1, I'm taking it. Uh, but then you're right. We are on opposite sides of Villa. Um, I actually really like them, especially at home. So I'm going to put one on Villa plus 200 to win outright. And then uh, probably my most confident bet of the week is Southampton. Plus 1.5. I'm going to put two pints on that. And then, again, not super thrilled about Spurs, but I'm going to kind of mix a parlay in. I'm going to take Spurs at minus 140. Bill at plus 200 for a parlay. Comes out to plus 414. I'm going to give it a shot. Not super confident on Spurs, but a little more so on Villa. I um, think it might be a fun little payoff. I could see both teams winning this weekend, so I'll give it a go. <laughs> Man, Middlesbrough and Coutinho, you have your you have breath fate in your hands. Uh, all right, so next week is the international break, but we decided to come back and do a show anyway. Brett, you bring on a uh, friend that you're really excited to talk to, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, Seth Partnow, anybody who's been in the basketball circles might know Seth, uh, former uh, director of analytics, the Bucks uh, wrote for the Athletic for a while, doing NBA stuff. Um, but he also got a start as a poker player, so he we love him here for the gambling roots. Um, very smart about lines and models, advanced data, how to use it uh, to make better decisions. That was obviously his job with Milwaukee. Um, so he's going to come on, uh, talk to us a little bit about just basically how lines work and and some of the things where maybe they're not going to be the sort of the models that they use for those might not be caught up um, to the dy dy dynamic nature of soccer starting 11s. Um, so I think it'll be a really fun conversation next week. All right. So show up next week for two extremely smart soccer analysts talking about, uh, you know, deep statistics you, and you, gambling you and Seth, because you just no. revoked my title. Just one dummy sitting in the corner pretending to know what they're talking about. So that'll be a good pod. 
Uh, also, Brett will be on Against All Odds on Friday. Uh, our humble soccer correspondent, who might not have a job after Chelsea beat Middlesbrough 5-0, <laughs> is actually an expert in college basketball as well. So he's going to be joining Sound and Crew to be talking about his favorite picks going into the weekend and uh, what he likes in his own personal bracket. So please join us for that. Uh, in the meantime, guys, I hope you have a great time on St. Patrick's Day. I hope you have a great time watching the NCAA tournament. But most importantly, I, have a great, I hope you have a great time watching Brett castrate himself publicly uh, on the altar of Middlesbrough against the world champion Chelsea juggernaut. Um, and if I'm wrong about that, I hope you enjoy this being the last time you ever hear from me on this pod. <laughs> so either way, there's a lot of you're probably, yeah, you're, probably, you're probably gonna be better off. So come back next week and we'll do our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. See you next week, folks. Take care, y'all. <laughs>